Hey there, everyone. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. This is my first time ever hosting the big OA. Hang on, folks. Tray tables up, seatbacks <laughs> forward, seatbelts. It could be a bumpy ride. Here is what's coming up. One chip stock just had its best week in 10 years. But Mike Coe and Guy Adami think the smoking semi could come back down to earth. They'll lay out a trade in the Ultimate Options Action Tag Team. Plus, after lagging the market all year, healthcare is showing signs of life. And the Chartmaster says there's one group that's about to shoot up. He'll break it down. And tech stocks just had their best first half since the late 1990s. But Dan Nathan says there's one name that's come too far too fast. And here's a hint. Can I just say MAGA? Look at uh, MAGA. You will need the MAGA or the FANGs. I think we called the MAGA at one point. MAGA. MAGA. I got MAGA. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we do start with the tech trade that is raging this year. The sector is up 26%. Best first half in more than two decades. The four biggest tech stocks, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon, adding a combined $600 billion in market cap for 2019. So will these tech titans continue to rumble? Let's get in the money. And Dan, I heard you got that, uh, that acronym for them, MAGA. It's not the one that I'm familiar with. Not, not, no, we're not going to make acronyms great again. Here, here's the deal. So the, let's, <laughs> let's talk about um, you know, those four names, Microsoft, um, Apple, Google, Amazon. So that graphic just showed us that they gained $600 billion in market cap in the first half of this year. But one thing that's really interesting, if you chart them all together, which we obviously do here, you know, these things are kind of well off their highs, all of them except one, the M and MAGA, Microsoft here. So so they're all obviously um, having good years. Google is underperforming, but um, for some very fundamental, specific sort of things. And I think Microsoft's a name really worth focusing on here. It's up 32% on the year. And as we head into July, we know that we're going to get their earnings. There's the chart of the four of those together. And what I think is most interesting about that, while they made um, a new high back in April, they did not confirm the high that we just made a couple weeks ago. And a lot of that has to do with the relative underperformance over the last few months of Apple, Google, Google and Amazon. But again, let's focus on Microsoft here. This thing, you know, is seemingly was making new highs every day for the last couple of weeks. It made a new high last week. The thing has kind of cooled off just a little bit here. That chart is interesting to me because, you know, when it broke out um, above 120, it just kept on going here. And I see that there's possibly an air pocket below back towards 120, which was the, ju uh, the June 3rd um, low here. So what are we thinking about here? This thing is kind of getting expensive, trading 29 times on a trail basis 26 times forward earnings and these are earnings that are not growing hyper fast like you might think in some of those fang sort of names here um, and then on a PE to growth at two and a half times these are like 15 year highs for the stock so the way I think about this is there's a lot of positive sentiment that's making this a very very crowded uh, crowded trade Microsoft's expected to report earnings on the 18th of July. Um, that is right before July expiration. That's implied volatility right there, the price of options. I think they look relatively cheap. So here's the thing, what I want to do here. Because options look so cheap on a near-term basis, because we do have some of these other macro issues that could create some volatility, I think taking a shot on Microsoft for a pullback over the next few weeks makes a lot of sense because of those at-the-money 
options being so cheap. So today, when the stock was trading at 134, you could look at the July 19th, 134 put and pay $2.90 for that. That breaks even down at 131.10. And, you know, that's where the stock was just trading, you know, a week and a half ago here. So to me, I think there's a really cheap way to make a bet in a very crowded name that also has multiple catalysts. You know, the challenge with options very often when you put on long bets is that you actually need something to happen. And you need need that to happen within a specific time frame, in this case, July expiration. And so that's one of the reasons why when you just go outright and buy puts to make directional bets or buy calls to make directional bets, you often will find that the probability of profit is less than 50-50. But here's one thing I'd like everybody to think about. As Dan pointed out, these puts are exceptionally cheap, about 2.5% of the current stock price. So you have to ask yourself, do you think, even if Microsoft ends higher on July 19th when these expire, that it's going to go straight up? That it's not going to have any volatility at all? That it's not going to drift below that 134 strike at any point, at which point this trade actually would be profitable? That's the reason when options are as cheap as these are, you want to buy them. Because actually, in this case, the probability that at some point it's below 134, below 133, is actually not so, not so low. And it's, and it's not bulletproof, right? We know that it dropped 9.5% in the month of May, so that it, it too is vulnerable to general selling or specific selling. It's one of the most uh, favored stocks in the world. It's a beast, but sometimes even beasts have setbacks. Guy? I'm just thrilled to be here. I, I can just sit and listen. I'm like, I feel like I'm a it's an viewer. education, isn't it? Put on my OA well, jacket. Miniature is. Like that? Don't I look handsome, Ty? Yeah, yeah. I like the jacket. Dan Nathan correctly mentioned valuation. It is expensive at 27 times forward earnings or thereabouts with 12% EPS growth rate. At a certain point, valuation matters. And in the previous show, Fast Money, which you also hosted, <laughs> Carter pointed out how the market's probably poised for a rollover. So if the broader market rolls over, if we don't have some magic deal with President Trump and President Xi over the next couple weeks, I think the trade that he just outlined is an exceptional one. I do think... Although we have all loved Microsoft, I think categorically, there's a rollover in place. It's not an indictment of the stock. It's just that things don't, I hate the expression, but trees don't grow to the, to the sky. And at some point this rolls over, I think it does it into earnings this Dan, quarter. Dan, you want to jump back in yeah. and, and conclude by reminding us what the trade is. Yeah, so really, really, listen, here's the deal. The stock's at 134. The at-the-money straddle, that's the put and the call, the 134 strike in July expiration would cost you a little less than $6. That's about 4% in either direction. So the trade's quite simple. If you don't like my bearish call and you want to define your risk to the upside, you can buy the at-the-money call for the same price that the put is trading at. So the point really is that you are risking 2% to make an at-the-money bet, either higher or lower, whether you buy that put or you buy that call. To me, that looks very dollar cheap when I consider the events that I think are coming out, and one of them, the big one, being earnings. All right, Dan, thank you very much. You know, Carter has been misbehaving again. No, come on. He's been misbehaving again, and we're going to send him back to the plasma. We voted on this, right? We all want him to go to the plasma. What if I just said I'm staying here? No, you must (laughs) go to the plasma. All right, all right. You must go to the plasma. (laughs) Moving on to the sector that has sat out the rally so far this year. It is health care, up just 7%. Uh, it's really underperforming the rest of the market. Uh, but there is one group within health care that is breaking out. And we're going to check out the XBI Biotech ETF, up 22%. And the chart master says it's heading for a hot summer rally. Carter. All right, so a very controversial space. You've got the big HMOs under pressure, certain uh, other marquee names like J&J uh, struggling. Biotech has a, a bit of life to it of late, and that's appealing to uh, a general momentum player, which is what uh, technicals are all about in the end. So here is a long-term chart. And I just want to make the general principle about trend work. 
one of the things that's as good a technique as any is just stick with the trend. And what we know is that when the line flattens, it's a pretty good idea to be involved. When the line flattens again, to not be involved. When the line flattens again, to get back involved. When the line flattens again. And yes, that's not saying you're going to get the absolute bottom or the absolute top. But what it is saying is that when the trend changes, try to change with it. And what we have now is it's starting to inflect upward again. So the basic principle of trend work is in play here. Let's zero in on this and get it in more detail. Again, the slope of the line, you can see it ever so gradually is starting to find. Let's zero in a little tighter even still. Now what we have, again, is for the first time, the 150-day moving average is now actually inflected upward uh, for the first time in about uh, two plus years. That's an appealing setup to my eye. I think it's a, a place to belong in an otherwise languishing area of the market. Here is the actual chart with high-low close data, and I think the lines can be drawn many ways, but one of the most optically clear would be this. We have, you know, within this period, this head and shoulders bottom, we have this well-defined neckline, and ultimately the thinking is, is that this big cup and handle is ultimately resolved up and out. I like this. And now just to put it in context, we know that biotech has lagged here, of course, over the past two years, up eight versus 20. I think you're gonna get a little convergence, whether it's this going like this and this going like this, or both of them going up and biotech going up more, or both of them going down and biotech going down less. I like XBI on the long side. Carter has done his two minutes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he can come back from the penalty box. <laughs> it's not a penalty box. No. That's, uh, you know, actually, I know usually at 5 o'clock you're busy having your blue plate special at Denny's, Ty. Yeah. But we're actually doing a show here called Fast Money, and we do a segment called The Power Pitch, Dan. Yes. And you might recall a few months ago we power pitched a little company called Sarepta. So it's interesting. A lot of these biotech names, they're not just binary. They have real stories behind them. I agree with Carter. And I'll add this. Steve Grosso mentioned this at our earlier show. You knew some of the rhetoric over the last two nights would go right after healthcare, and we mentioned that on Monday. But what I will tell you is UNH is too cheap relative to itself and relative to the broader market. And now that these debates are done, I think United Health is a buy. Mike, talk me through your trade in biotech. Yeah, so I don't like spending options premium if I can avoid it. And the reason is what we were talking about before, when you spend premium, you need something to happen and you need it to happen by your expiration. So if we can find a way to make a directional bet without that happening, I was actually just trying to take a look at some levels where I could put on a call spread risk reversal, lay out no premium, target the basically the 93 level that we saw back in early April, but not have downside risk unless it hits down to about 80, which is essentially the level that we've been bouncing along. So specifically the trade was the September 80, 88, 93 call spread risk reversal. You could sell the 80 puts for 210 when I was looking at this earlier today, buy the 88 calls for 430 and then sell the 93s against it for 220. Net, net you're laying out no premium. The idea here is you're gonna get exposure from 88 up to 9380, and again, the first week of April, it topped out at 9380. Worst case, XBI pulls back by 10%, and you're going to own it at 80 bucks, which is essentially the level it's been bouncing off for several months now. 
Yeah, so this is a good example of where you're kind of marrying the technicals with, with Mike's option strikes. And I think that 80 was a level that got a lot of support. So you think about it, the worst case scenario in September expiration, you get put the XBI at 80 bucks, but you have $5 of upside exposure to 93 and it costs you nothing. The most likely scenario over the next month or so is that this stock is just banging around in those levels. Mark to market as it goes down towards 80, you're going to show losses. As it goes up towards the long strike or above it, because you're almost there, you're going to show gains. This is a good trade in an ETF like this because you don't have the gap risk that you would in an individual stock where a news announcement could come out and the stock's down at 80 like and overnight. That's, and that's why I'm willing to be short the 80 yeah. puts and I'm willing to be short the 93 calls. That gap risk works both ways. You could have a jump up or you could have a jump down in single stocks and indices. That's far less likely unless you have some major market moving event. All right, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. We've got more options action still ahead. And here is what's coming up. Yeah, Options Action fans, get ready, because there's about to be the ultimate tag team with Mike Coe and Guy Adami on one soaring semi-stock they think has come too far, too fast. You won't want to miss it. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Micron seeing a huge move this week, up 16%. Best performance in a decade after beating on earnings Tuesday. So how should you trade the stock after such a meteoric, if rare, rise? Guy and Mike are at the plaza for the ultimate Options Action tag team. Guy, take it away. Just rocking to the music. Love that guy. music, right? So, you know, everybody's all giddy about Micron. And I get it. The quarter was fine. But, you know, Wedbush just came out and initiated. Stock closed at 39, Ty. They initiated with a $30 price target. I can do that math in my head, but that's a lot lower in terms of percentage, number one. Number two, why? Because revenues keep declining. DRAM revenue, which is like 61% of the company, down like 45% year over year. NAND revenue, 31% of the company, down 25% year over year. And those numbers aren't getting any better if you look at their guidance. So you have declining revenue, not good. That's number two. And number three, I don't know how they pronounce Huawei with an H in front of it. doesn't really <laughs> matter. But what I'll tell you is they are in a loophole right now that Micron has. They can still make sales. But guess what? If all things go pear-shaped at the G20, which I think they will, by the way, I think President Trump figures out a way to close this loophole. Not good for Micron. Means in my world the stock's going down. But you know what we're doing here, Tyler? Little tag team. And now Mike's going to Mike. tell you how to trade it. All right. Well, let's take a look here. We've, it's kind of the theme of the show that I don't like to lay out a lot of premium. I'm looking for higher probability of profit. Essentially, what you're taking a look at here is that you think that this move is too far too fast, meaning it's presumably going to stop here or somewhere around here. So let's just take a look at a couple bullets here. We're looking for a trade that has a higher probability of profit. This is a trade when you sell a call spread, three things can happen. Two are good, and one is less bad than shorting the stock. So we like the high probability of profit. The other thing we're doing by selling a call spread rather than shorting a stock or just selling a naked call is we're limiting our risk. And the other thing here is, of course, we're trying to play off of Guy's thesis that the stock is currently exhausted. So what's the trade here? We're looking out to August. 
When I was looking at this earlier today, you could sell the August 40 calls for $1.70. Of course, if you did that, you would be taking unlimited risk. So we're going to cover that risk by buying the 42 calls for $1. Net net, we're going to collect 70 cents. This call spread is only $2 wide, so that's a little over 30% of the distance between the strikes. And what we were talking about before is if the stock just lingers right here, you keep all the money. If it goes up slightly, you can still keep that money. Your max risk here is only going to be $1.30. And of course, if it goes down, you're going to make that money. So the idea here is this is kind of an investment strategy. You look to sell premium you know, again and again. This is a situation where basically the technicals and the premium sort of set up to make this trade work for us. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Call spread on Micron. Yeah, so he's selling the call spread, again, high probability of success. But if you really think about what Guy just laid out, um, this stock could be right back down the 10% that it just gained in, uh, you know, the last two trading sessions on, you know, some bad outcome from the G20 here. So this stock, to me, was a very crowded short. While short interest isn't very high, hedge funds were pressing it for the fundamental reasons. They got squeezed in March when the company reported the stock gapped up 10%, over almost to $44, and it came all the way back into the mid-30s over the next few months. So to me, I like Mike's trade. I think there's other ways to do it, depending upon how convicted you are, um, to put a real short on to get this thing back to the mid I mean, to low 30s. This is all the makings of a dead cat bounce. It's one of the worst performing semis. And while the headlines on Wednesday were best one-day move in two years, it should have been best one-day move in two years, returning the stock to where it was just a month ago, <laughs> which at the time was down 60% from its high. Meaning, so what? Right? It's a busted company or a busted chart or a busted story. And you heard what Guy had to say. Why, why belong? Gentlemen, back to the uh, plasma. What, tie it off for us. Risk less, make, make more. more. And actually, in this case, I just want to make a quick point. To Dan's point, he was basically saying you could make basically lower probability bets and try to hit one over the fence. This is the kind of situation where you're making a bearish bet. We're basically just trying to hit a single here. All right. Singles always score when you put them together. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Up next, oil sinking today ahead of the big OPEC meeting next week in Vienna. We will tell you how to play that one. Plus, I got a question for the traders. Maybe you want to tell me I'm doing a great job hosting or maybe not so much. Send us a tweet and we'll answer it later in the show. Live from the NASDAQ in New York City, more options action coming right at you. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to look back on some of our open trades. Last month, Mike and Carter bet on an oil surge. The trade is USO, making the bet again that these minor sell-offs all are going to give way, and they have in the past, to recovery moves. So the sequence would call for a higher trade here, long USO. I was looking out to July, 13 and a half calls. Those were trading about 42 cents when I was looking at this earlier. That was May 3rd. The USO down around 4% since that time of that trade. Mike, how do you manage this ahead of the OPEC? You know, one of the reasons that you put on options trades in sometimes volatile spots like commodities is that you limit your risk. We were talking about that before. At one point, this went from 13 to, I think, 10 and a half since we put that trade on. It obviously fell right out of bed. Our trade 
risked about 42 cents total. These things are worth about six cents now. I wouldn't let them go at this point because they're basically a little lottery ticket there. But obviously, we got the direction wrong in the underlying. And you know, the reason we put the options trade on is to limit our risk. And in this case, it did, fortunately for us. Right, and, and actually, to say it's down 3% is being generous. Of course, the peak to trough from when we got in, literally, the thing collapsed. It was down almost 20%. And yes, with this uh, recent rally in crude and USO moving up, it's down only 3% from when we started. But the trajectory has been nothing short of horrible. Nothing short of horrible. Critique. Well, it's interesting because it's sentiment towards oil seemed like bubbling up just a few months ago. And then to have it go from uh, 66 down to 50, like in a straight line between May and June, was pretty interesting. So it had that snapback. I mean, to me, when I think about it, if we don't have a trade deal, I'm seeing lower oil. And, you know, I'm seeing a retest of 50 because really second half growth is going to be called into question at that point. Well, that's the thing. I mean, does growth outweigh the torching of the U.S. dollar by our Federal Reserve and the geopolitical risks that are associated with crude oil right now? And right now it does. But I think you're going to see a spike in crude oil at some point. I think it's going to come on the back of the dollar getting sort of bludgeoned over the next couple months, which I think is going to happen. And I think the geopolitical risks that exist. So although the trade has been difficult, and I understand why, I do think there's a rally in oil over the next couple dollar months. Dollar bludgeoned because of what? Because every or? central bank on the planet is in a race to devalue their currency. And we are, going to are the it. biggest currency manipulators in the history of the world, although we blame others. U.S. Central Bank, the Federal Reserve has done that, and it's going to happen in spades as the summer progresses, Ty. All right, Guy, up next, your tweets and the final call. We'll be right back. Well, I've had a wonderful time thanks to you guys. This is fantastic. Thank you for welcoming me. Uh, Time for the final call. Carter, you go first. Biotech on the long side, and I think you'd use XBI to get there. All right. Get long XBI, but don't get long premium. So use call spread risk reversals for that trade. Damn. Yeah, so Microsoft, I think this one's going to be volatile over the next few weeks. So pick a direction. You're risking about 2%, but I like it to the downside. Guy? This is a first, but it's a four-person desk with Tyler Matheson hosting. I mean, this will go down 30 years from now. They'll people still, will still <laughs> talk broadcasting about this night. Fame. Un- yeah, shame. baby. Back <laughs> to you, Ty. That, that, thank you, Guy. That does it for us here on Options Action. Don't go anywhere because you know what happens next. Mad Money starts right now. Options Action will rejoin you next week at this time. See ya. See ya.